0: Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember No role is insignificant. Every life matters, and go out and make a difference.
1: testimony, a lot of legalism around it. Uh, maybe I've got to have this big back story about how God's blessed me. And, and, and that's got to be my testimony. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. A lot of times we, t- we turn a mountain or a mohill into a mountain. So be careful with testimony. I'm going to walk you through a couple passages real quick. And like I said, I'm going to turn the microphone over to somebody else who's got a brilliant testimony. But if you have your Bibles... It has been a long time since I've opened this and brought it up here to actually preach from, so it was real nice to be able to highlight these passages in my Bible this morning. Uh, But we'll be in Revelations. Revelations 12 is a beautiful story concerning the end times, and we won't get into any of that, but I do want to focus in on verse 11. Revelations 12, 11, uh, it talks about the, the accuser coming against us, and then in verse 11 it says, they overcame. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, which is what we had last weekend when we had five young ladies baptized. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have that covering of the blood of the Lamb, right? Amen? Then it says, by the word of their testimony... They overcame him, conquered him by the blood. It's not just overcame. I mean, it's also conquered by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And then that last part there, for they did not live, love their lives in the face of death. And so that's how we overcome the accuser. And we'll talk more about that uh, next week. We're going to flip over to Revelation 19. And I just want you to keep these verses in your mind as you go through this week. That's Revelations 12, and now we're over in Revelations 19. Uh, 19 or yeah, 19.10, at the very last, uh, John is up in heaven. He sees these magnificent signs and wonders. He falls down on his knees. We pick up that verse in 10. It says, do not do that. I'm just a fellow servant. He's talking to an angel there in that passage. But that last line is, worship God, because the testimony about Jesus is, is the spirit of prophecy. It says, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. It's kind of like Dustin sharing his story about coming off of that cancer treatment, not having a tumor anymore. That is a prophecy that you can hold on to because prophecy, if you look at it, is the encouragement of one another. It's the consoling of one another. It's for the building up of the church. And so when you talk about prophecy, when I tell you that I overcame something, you can catch on to that and you can hold it for yourself. Look what God did for that person. That can happen to me as well, right? Look what God did in this situation, and that's what I'm saying. We sometimes build too big of a picture out of what a testimony looks like. A testimony is God's answer to prayer because I took on the blood of Christ and I submitted to him and his authority, and I took up his ways, then I can walk in a new way because of what he's doing in my life and opening up doors for. It's like me being up here on stage. Never in a million years did I ever think I would get this opportunity, and then they invited me back. God bless you. And then they invited me back, you know? I don't know. It's it's a great chance to be up here. But that testimony thing, I think we hold too much into it when it's just a simple thing of God entered in my life. He did this for me, and now I'm sharing that for you because he can do the same for you. And once again, it's just for the encouragement, the consolation, and the building up of the church. Uh, coming up next weekend, we have, of course, the uh, community event going and taking care of people on that Saturday, on that Sunday night, mark your calendars, November 6th, Sunday night, we'll have a night of worship, and we'll actually have some prophetic teams coming over from Bill and Kathy Johnson Ministries and the Prophet You people coming over. So if you've never had a word of testimony or a prophecy spoken over you, we invite you to come on that night. But I told you I was going to hand the mic over. So, number 1, it always encourages me when I hear somebody's testimony about how they hung on to God. How they fought through the battles and they kept believing in the word of God. Regardless of what came against them, regardless of what the world looked like, they hung on to the word of God. And it just blows me away sometimes the stories that come out of that. Now, I'm going to have Pastor Naomi come up. Now, She's got a brilliant testimony. A couple, about a year and a half, two years ago, we were over at the loft. Our youth got together, and they allowed her up on stage to share her testimony. And it's beautiful because not only is she one of the few female youth pastors in America, she's right here in Panhandle. Number two, she is just constantly somehow getting from Canada. You're from Iowa, Canada? (laughs) Same thing. She came from Canada all, all the way to Dallas and somehow ended up in Panhandle and here she is serving the Lord through her faith and serving and serving his word. So she's got this beautiful testimony plus her and Dawson forever have been trying to have a child and she called a lot of people over to pray about that. And look, she's now walking expecting a newborn child and it's a boy, right? Yeah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. So there's this testimony inside of her about obedience to God, submission to God, submission to his will that brought forth results that are tangible. And so without further ado, Pastor Naomi. And plus, I don't think most of us get to come up on Wednesday nights to ever hear her and what is being funneled into our youth. I mean, they had 125 kids up last weekend. And so I don't know if you know how impactful and how much passion she carries for our youth. So thank you. God bless.
2: Well, thank you for that. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, like you said, my name is Naomi Hackett. Um, I am not from Canada. I did not have to get my visa to come down to Texas, believe it or not. Um, Iowa is in the same country because Texas is a state. It's not a nation. Just thought I'd remind you a little bit. So I did not have to get my passport or anything like that to come see y'all. Yeah, so I grew up in Iowa. I was born and raised there. Uh, I moved to Texas when uh, I was fixing to turn 20. Um, Fixing to is also not an Iowa phrase, so that's I'm adapting to yours type i'm adapting to your kind <laughs> uh but yeah so i lived in iowa like my whole my whole childhood uh born and raised in the same small town i grew up in a real itty bitty dinky little town called Limville sully we're so small that we took two towns and squished them together uh we're real little we're about together we're the size of white deer <laughs> so we're real little my graduating class was like 25 kids so i knew everybody and everybody knew me or at least it felt that way Maybe not, but um, and I I always stayed pretty active in church growing up. Um, my parents uh, they would like sometimes go to church and sometimes not. So, but I was always really excited to go see my friends at church. I'm not dumb. I know y'all come to church to see your friends. It's okay, um, but I don't care. I'll just like sneak you with some Jesus while you're here. Um, but I definitely did that all through junior high. I, it was definitely just a social event for me. I wasn't doing it, um, you know, to honor the Lord. I was just there to. Like eat some candy and hang out with my friends. Um, but look what that seed planted and turned into. So I don't despise kids that just come to eat food and then dip out. Um, if you come to eat food, I'll still love on you and throw some juices at you real quick and then never know what that seed turns into. might turn into a youth pastor that moves to Texas. <laughs> Um, I actually want to share with you uh, a testimony from... There's a lot of things I could share with you. Uh, For the sake of time, I won't share with you my entire life story. Because if I did, we would be here for a while. Um, But there are just so many things that God has done in my life. There are so many instances in my life that... Uh, His grace has been revealed to me, and there are so many things that I could share with you and tell you. Um, but like I said, for the sake of time, so that we're not here till dinner time, I'll just tell you one story. Is that okay? I'll just tell you the one story, and then we'll go have lunch. <laughs> um, so, uh, like I said, I went to uh, went to high school in Iowa, and then I, I had a relationship with the Lord starting in high school. And high school was when I really was like, you know, I have found this love that loves me so much, a love that gave his life for me. And this love is worth trading the world for. This love is worth diving into completely. Instead of being so captivated with the, oh, am I the biggest, baddest athlete? Am I the number one in my class? Do I have straight A's? Am I the prettiest girl in my science class? Whatever, st- I traded all that, I traded all that pressure to, because I found this love. I found this love that was my—it was my my pearl of great value. It was my treasure that I found, and it changed me. It changed me wildly when I found this love, this wild wild love that gave its life, that gave up its heartbeat to give me my heartbeat, and um, I was I was done. I was in it. That was my life. That was my my moment of dedication. So, um, all through high school, I was chasing the Lord. I had a great batch of friends. Friends make the biggest difference. I preached to my kids as much as I can find a good batch of friends and that does not change when you get to adulthood that does not change when you get to adulthood so listen up okay you find that good batch of Christian friends that will push you and spar you and challenge you and encourage you and edify you and all the things you find that group of friends Um, and so I had that group of friends in high school and I was really passionate about missions about being a missionary, and I really was like, I'm going to be a missionary when I grow up. I don't know if I'm going to be sleeping on dirt floors in Haiti or if I'm going to be up in the cold in Finland. I don't know, but I'm going wherever the Lord calls me, Um, and so I had a friend that was like, hey, you know, there's this thing called YWAM. Has anybody in here heard of YWAM? No. Okay, that's cool. (laughs) YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission, and it's an institute or like, it's actually an accredited college, uh, University of the Nation's and you, there are campuses and bases, whatever you want to call it, all over the world. All over the world. Uh, there's a base here in Texas, in Tyler, Texas. Uh, there's one in Kansas City, one in um, Colorado Springs. There's one in Uganda, Zimbabwe, Japan, Singapore, Romania, you name it. It's, they're all over the place. Um, so after a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, I felt like the Lord was really pushing me to go to Romania. And there are a few times in my walk with the Lord that I can be like, yes, I know, like, like I almost audibly heard the Lord say this. Um, and this was one of those times. So, like, even though, I mean, you're going to, this is quite the story, but uh, even though through the whole process, I know without a doubt that the Lord called me to go to Romania. So absolutely no regrets uh, for going there. So I did. Right after high school, my parents were like, okay, Naomi, whatever. Uh, I went to Romania. My parents are really, really awesome. They had, gave me their blessing. They uh, worked hard. I saved up a lot of money. People were really awesome and helped me get there. And so I flew to Romania, and I was doing YWAM. I was doing missions over there um, in Craiova, Romania. It's in the southern part of the country. Um, now when I was deciding which because there are four bases in the country of Romania, I was deciding which base to go to. Um, and so of course I'm praying and I'm looking. and honestly, my standards were super low. Do they speak English there? That was my only criteria. Do they speak English? because that's all I need. I don't speak Romanian. The Lord just called me here. I can uh, yeah, I could try to make it up, but it's not going to make sense. And so I was like, do they speak English? So they said they're on their on their base website. And they're like, these are the languages that are represented. And it was English and Romania, so I went there, well, I get there, and um I'm all chirpy young, like ready to go, like, let's do this and be missionary. <laughs> so I'm ready to go. And um I was their only foreigner, <laughs> and I was their first foreigner. So what I didn't realize when I got to this base is that they were a young base. They hadn't been up and going for a long time, so they were still kind of like finding finding their footing, you know, kind of figuring out their routine so I was their first foreigner and they didn't um they were excited they were I was like the shiny new toy like oh we have an American you know they were excited to have me for sure um, but they didn't know what to do with a you know a 19 year old going through culture shock Uh, they didn't know what to do when everybody at the table is bursting out in laughter and having the time of their life but it's all in Romanian and so you have this little shy girl just like sitting in the corner like I don't get it I don't get it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so it was new for everybody, and I was just like down for a good time. Um, but loneliness very quickly started to creep in, and I'm very extroverted. I love my people. I love to be around my people. Uh, but loneliness like really started to creep in. Um, I'll never forget. We were on a train, and we were going to the north side of the country, and we had been there for about a month now. Uh, we're going to the north side to uh, be a part of a conference with another base, and something happened on the train, uh, that one of my translators. she was, I don't know what they're called, they're like pretzels, but they're not pretzels. And they were like eating it, and someone like bopped it in her face and it like crunched and went everywhere. And I laughed, and I was like very quickly followed up with disappointment, cause I just realized how foreign laughter had felt to me. And if you know me, I am, I am very giggly and like ha ha, everything's a joke. Um, so for laughter and joy, to feel foreign was like, whoa, like this is not good. But I was still like, I'm ready for whatever, like let's just keep going, keep checking through this, like I'll just wait it out, we'll see how this goes, I don't know, but um, I was definitely struggling with like loneliness and maybe maybe even some disappointment of just like, man, maybe I'm not called to missions. this is not going how I how I thought it was gonna go, like I don't know, like this is, Not what I expected, and you know, start asking all those questions. Um, And before I get too ahead of myself, there are kind of two things that really play up to where God comes in. So uh, while I'm in Romania, I'm also dating this boy at the time who I was completely and totally infatuated with, who I thought we would get married, thought he was the one. Uh, You know, we're doing this long distance thing. I thought the world of him. And so this whole time that I'm feeling all this loneliness and um, hard time and, uh, like, disappointment and, like, sadness over here in Romania, I'm, like, leaning on this, this boy. I'm, like, texting him as, m- as much as I can. The times, uh, time difference was weird. So we would talk for, like, an hour at, I think, like, 8 p.m. my time or 10 p.m. my time because it was... 6 a.m his time I don't know like it was something like that and so we would talk really short um but he like was my only companion like my only source of joy if you will and so very quickly instead of having this firm foundation on Christ I'm building this like foundation on my boyfriend and we all know how that goes uh (laughs) but that's that's kind of where I'm at and so we start um this is where it gets really hard. So I'm really trying not to ramble. I don't tell this story very often because of this, because it is—it's a hard story to tell. It's a hard story to tell. So forgive me if I, if I am trying to find my words a little bit, um, but this ministry that I was a part of, um, and it's uh, just this particular base. Okay, I'm not coming at YWAM. I think YWAM is a great institute. If your kid wants to do YWAM, do it. Um, but I'm not. So I'm not coming at that institute by any means um but this particular base had so much strife y'all it had so much fighting and bickering and anger and I was flabbergasted this is my um you know I'm a high school kid or coming out of high school this is my first time really like big kid ministry like I mean I did ministry and stuff in high school I did mission trips and camps and whatnot in high school but this is my first time like really doing the thing really like full-time minister and um I was baffled because I'm I'm seeing what's going on behind the scenes. And I mean, grown men, like, and it terrified me. I was a timid little 19-year-old. Grown men, like, screaming and yelling at each other and, like, slamming doors and all this stuff. And it terrified me. And then it'd be like, okay, everybody, let's go evangelize. And I'd be like, ah, we just threatened to leave and never come back, and now we're going to go evangelize? Like, that is not the heart. And it, it, this was so constant. I remember teachers would, um, we'd have classes in the morning. Teachers would come in, and they'd be like, Naomi, what is wrong with your class? What is wrong with your base? And I'd be like, dude, I don't know. If I could tell you, I would. I don't know. And my sweet translator, she would always translate to me the whole argument's and I'm just like, oh, this is stressing me out. And I, I could do confrontation now because I've grown and matured. But at the time, 19-year-old Naomi was terrified because I was like, there are grown men screaming and someone slamming a door. And I don't know what's going on because it's not in English. What is going on? I'm confused and I'm lost and I'm a little scared and uh, I'm lonely. I can't, I, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. And I started to get really frustrated. I started to like really question my faith. And I started to really ask like god is this ministry because if it is I don't want to do this. This is terrible. This is not a good time. This is awful. <laughs> and I I just remember it like constantly being in question of like if this is really what ministry is. I'm it's very two-faced. It's very two-faced because we I mean, we'll we'll fight and argue and over stupid things like what's for lunch? And then we're gonna go to these gypsy homes and like love on the homeless and like uh, help the poor. I I was, spe- I, to this day, I'm still like, I don't know what to say. I, they're growing and they're doing much better. And they, uh, they were on the same page as me. They're like, Naomi, I don't know why things are so wrong. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know either, but y'all should fix this. <laughs> and so finally... We build up to this moment. It's Christmas break. Um, the whole house is gone. We all live together. We all live, hence the strife. Maybe that's what it was. There was too many people living in one house. Um, but everybody's gone, and it's just me. And I'm just kind of having to debrief, just talking out loud like, I've learned this, and I've learned that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I'm just thinking, just evaluating, just sitting down, like, processing how this, the last four months have been of living in this country and doing this thing. Um, And then my boyfriend calls me and he's like, Naomi, I don't think the Lord is telling me that you're going to be my wife. So I don't want to entertain this if it's not going to be the real deal. Now, I was completely convinced that this guy was my, going to be my husband and that the Lord had told me that he was going to be my husband. Because I was so, I was so blinded by this, this lie that I've created. Because I wanted, some, have y'all ever been like that? You just wanted something so bad. So you're like, I'm going to convince myself that it's good. I just wanted it so bad. So I'm going to convince myself it's not that bad. And so um, I had convinced myself that like, yeah, the Lord, yeah, the Lord told me he's going to be my husband. Yeah. So for him to tell me, hey, we're breaking up. Like, you're not the one. I completely and totally lose it. Like everything just comes down to like, Oh my gosh, and I I start to, I'm, I'm crying, I'm angry, I'm confused, I'm lost, I'm over it, I'm done. This ministry thing isn't working out. This missionary thing isn't working out. This boyfriend that I thought was gonna be my husband, that's not working out. And I start getting so angry with the Lord. I start getting so angry. I'm like, you're a liar, you're fake. I get away from me, I don't want you. And I mean, I'm crying, I'm hitting the wall. I'm so, I've never, to this day, I've never been this upset. And I am just completely distraught. I am just everything. Any negative emotion you can think of, I'm feeling it at that moment, and I'm I'm just yelling at God. You're a liar. You're fake. You're a liar. You're. I'm just saying these hor. I'm cursing God. I'm saying the most horrendous things to Him, and I remember looking in the mirror and like just you know mess, and I'm just like how do you if I was in college and I wanted to change my major, it'd be no big deal. If I wanted to go from mathematics to liberal arts, maybe be out a couple dollars, but no big deal. But how do you change? How do you change your major of Christianity? like atheist? How am I going to go home to these people that donated and funded to my missions and I'm coming back home an atheist? How is this going to work? Oh my gosh, everybody's going to be disappointed in me. They're going to be ashamed of me. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't even go back home because I'm going to be so embarrassed. And it's just, uh, God, I think you're a liar. If ministry is not real. This is all fake. This is, and I'm just like, it, it was ugly. It was ugly. And I'm screaming and I'm mad and because there's, there's nobody in the house. So I'm just like, oh, you're a liar, you're a I got away from it, you know, so angry, and so I grab my Bible, <laughs> and it's just sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I'll give you one last chance, and I just, like, grab my Bible, and I just, like, rip it open, and <laughs> I go to the story about Hannah, and how it says she was in deep anguish, and she prayed to, she prayed to the Lord, and she wept bitterly, and I was like, God, if I've ever wept bitterly, it's right, stinking now. It is right now. I have never been weeping so bitterly before in my life. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if any of this is real. I don't know. Who, ah, I'm like having a midlife crisis at the ripe age of 19. <laughs> and I, I just, I stop because, you know, Hebrews Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even the deepest parts of the soul. And man, that word, just that little, just that little, just that little verse in the Bible, that was enough to penetrate to the deepest parts of my soul. That word was powerful enough to get to the deepest part of my soul, and it completely changed me just like that. I went from like, oh, to like, oh. Okay, God, how are we going to do this? Look at the pit that I'm in. How are we going to do this? How, how is this going to be fixed? How, my faith is a mess. My, my relationship is a mess. This ministry is a mess. How are we going to fix this? And so I go down to the prayer room, and I'm still mad. I mean, I'm praying. I'm just like, God, oh, I'm so angry at you. Like, I'm like just screaming at the Lord. Because I, I know that the Lord, I know he's sovereign, and I know he's holy. But I know that he is my father and he's a big man, and he can take my emotion. So I was just letting him know, and he already knows your emotion, so why hide it? So I was just being forward. <laughs> I was just letting him know how I felt, and he already knew, but he was like, yes, baby, I know, I know. <laughs> it was Romans 12, 12, I believe. Can you go ahead and throw it up on the stage? I'm in Roman, or I'm in the prayer room, and I'm angry, and I'm mad, and I'm stomping, I'm sweating a little bit because I'm so mad. And uh, I read over, I look over, and I see this verse that was just up on the wall. And it said, Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. And it just brought me to such a humble place. And I just submitted. And I was like, Okay, Lord, I can be patient. I can be patient in this affliction. I am super afflicted, but I will be patient. And I will be faithful in prayer. And I will keep praying. And we will pray through this. And I told him, God, if this is going to work, you got to take this bitterness. you got to take this anger. you got to take it all. Or else I'm, I don't know how to bounce back from this. I was, I was at my, my rock bottom for, I mean, as far as 19-year-olds go. I just didn't know where to go. And I was like, I can be patient through reflection. I can do this. And so from that day forward, I still had three more months. I was in Romania for a total of six months. I still had three more months to go. And um, I started having more quiet time. I started seeking the Lord more. And isn't that funny how the Lord comes close to the brokenhearted? Even when I was so angry, I was so angry. My whole life was like falling apart. It's been my biggest dream to get married since I was like 12 years old, y'all. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. It has been my biggest. Trip. I always wanted to get married. I knew I always wanted to be a wife since I was like a little kid. I knew I wanted to be a wife and now I am. <laughs> so for the, all of this to come crumbling down and I just started making my boyfriend my firm foundation, I started making Christ my firm foundation and man was I broken hearted at the time and he was coming so close to me. He was coming so close to me. No matter how much I was yelling at him and fighting with him and screaming at him, he was coming so close to me. And you know, it's funny, cause even in that moment when I was yelling at him, get away from me, get away from me, stupid, he's right next to you. <laughs> and that's why you're yelling at him to get away from you. Cause even in my my deepest, darkest points, I knew he was right there. I knew he was right there. Isn't that dumb? I was so mad at him at the time, but he's so awesome. <laughs> I was not worthy of that grace by any means. Um, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, it talks about, it says, but even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were dead in our, his great love for us, he made us alive with Christ. <laughs> he, we were dead in our transgressions because of his great love for us. God, who is very rich, who is very rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And man, was I dead in my transgressions. I was covered in lust. I was covered in blindness for this love for this boy. Covered in selfishness. I mean, this girl was a hot mess. But God, who is rich in mercy, and he has great kindness. He met me in the ugly. <laughs> and he's like, we'll, we'll get out of this, baby. We'll get out of this. And he was nothing but sweet and kind and merciful and dusted me off. Even though I was being total brat. <laughs> He dusted me off and made me whole again. And that process, y'all, was long. Hindsight is always 50-50, right? Looking back, you're like, oh, I get it now, okay. That was that was this story for me, because I would never want to go back and do Romania again, but I am very thankful. I am very, very thankful that I I went through that whole process because my faith is so strong. Like, I was literally, like, on the verge of being an atheist. Like, I was up and over it but I made Christ my firm foundation and I sought him and I came close to him and I I worked through the mud and I had lots of questions and I found the answers to those questions and I sought the Lord and it's not always gonna get answered just like that. It's patient, patient in affliction, be patient in affliction, patience. It takes time. It wasn't till like a whole year later and from like deep dedication of seeking the Lord that I was like, whoa, super healed, like whoa, like different person. I always tell people, if you met 18 year old Naomi, Versus twenty-five-year-old, twenty-five-year-old Naomi, you—they're not the same person at all, at all. Eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old Naomi was very timid, very quiet, very like people pleaser, like just whatever to just keep the flow, like very timid, quiet. And Naomi now has opinions, and she will tell you no. Naomi has changed a lot, and it's from the Lord's goodness of strengthening me. After I, after this whole thing with Romania, I, I moved to—I went back to Iowa, worked up some money, and paid for uh, going to Dallas, and I went to Bible college in Dallas, Texas, and it was there that I really uh, found a lot of healing. I mean, the Lord was working on me, like, because I'm stubborn. The Lord—I got these sheep, y'all, and they're dumb. Um, they take a long time to, like, drag them and bring them. They talk a lot—sheep are just as stubborn as I am, so I—, I I appreciate the Lord even more, knowing how long He had to like come on, Naomi, come on, you want the food, come on Naomi, come on, okay, so like I get it now, I get it, Lord, I know I'm a sheep, but like thank you for being so good to me, <laughs> uh, so we get to uh Steve and I, and um I remember uh, so at Seif and I we have um we have chapel four days a week, and then we have. Uh, You have to pick a student ministry, and mine was prayer and intercession. And so I thought this would be good, because an upperclassman had advised it to me. He's like, you should take uh, prayer and intercessory, because it makes you be disciplined. Like, for the sake of your grade, you have to be disciplined in your prayer time, because you have to log so many hours in the prayer room for this prayer and intercessory student ministry thing. And so it, like, made me be disciplined. And so through being disciplined in my prayer and through being in worship and being with the Lord, just spending so much time, man, that starts to mold you. The Word of God and, like, His presence, it starts to mold you. It starts to change you, and the more you chase Him and the more you get to know Him, you don't even realize it, but you're transforming. You're being transformed into, a, like, a new creation, just the more that you dive into Him. Um, and I will never forget, I was in the prayer room, and it was my first semester. it would only been there for, like, three months at Siphonite, and there was this verse in Isaiah 43, 19, uh, it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams um, in the wasteland. And man, I, it, took, it took that. It took God making a river in the wastelands. It took God making a road in the wilderness to really take me from like almost quitting my faith to like I'm going to be a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> like it took so much change. And it wasn't emotional. It wasn't. It wasn't emotional. The word of God is powerful, and the word of God got to me on this day when I read this verse. And I just remember I kept saying it over and over. I was like, "You're making it. You, you're uh, you now. You're making a new way. You're making a new thing. You're doing a new thing. You're doing a new thing. You're making a new way. You're making a new way." And I that I just transformed completely. I started getting healed in places I needed healing. I started getting stronger in places I needed to be stronger. I started working on the things that I was weak in, and started getting more disciplined and seeking the Lord. And the Lord completely changed me. I I don't know how to put it into words other than like God did it, y'all. I was wildly transformed from this hot mess disaster in Romania to like current day um, Naomi. And man, he'll do it. Uh, Worship team, if you'll go ahead and come up and join me up here. There are so many things, there are so many stories I could keep telling you about just how the grace of God has come into my life. and and moved in my life, and I could keep talking, Um, I really could, (laughs) but I'll I'll just stick with one and a half stories today, (laughs) but man, God is just so good, I look at my life, and I'm just, I'm speechless at the grace, everything, like, being married to my husband, who is the love of my life, my best friend, like, so thankful that I didn't get married to, so thankful that I didn't get married to that other dude, (laughs) <laughs> so 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 thankful that i found my my city cowboy in dallas texas y'all he used to wear skinny jeans he won't he won't admit it but i'll tell you <laughs> i didn't know he was a cowboy <laughs> he yeah he wore he wore skinny jeans no joke uh but man i just look at my life and i'm like man the fact that i'm a youth pastor the fact that i'm in small town texas is the grace of god the, the fact that I have the friends that I do, I have amazing, amazing, amazing friends. I have a great community. I have an awesome church. I have awesome youth kids. A few of y'all woke up early. Good job, guys. I'm proud of you. <laughs> the man. Just I just sit back at my life, and I'm like, Lord, what a beautiful adventure it's been. Me and you coming up out of Canada. I mean, Iowa. And here we are. I didn't think you'd bring me to Texas, Lord. I thought we were going to Haiti or Zimbabwe. I don't know, but we, here we are. And man, it's just so good to look back. And that's all it took was a yes. It took a submissive heart. It took humility. You better throw that pride out the window, okay? You don't need that pride up in here. But man, when you're humble and you're submissive to the Lord, what a beautiful life you can have. Not easy. Not easy. Patient in affliction. Patient in affliction. It's not easy, but it's beautiful. You have joy when it doesn't make sense. You have peace when it doesn't make sense. And he takes you on a heck of a journey. God is so good. I could keep going, but we'll call it there. Thank you so much. Uh, We have a prayer team that's up here, and if you need some help being patient in your affliction, I'm sure the prayer team would love to pray with you. If you're at your rock bottom and you need someone just to war with you, be bold and just be humble and submit to God. He'll come close to you. He'll come close.
0: And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, Go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.